0: Speaking of the Lord's blessing, we'll turn again to that portion of the word that we read in John chapter 15. And uh, taking for our text this morning the words of verse 9. John 15, verse 9. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. Now, this discourse of the Lord, Jesus is uh, particularly here directly to his disciples, beginning towards the end of chapter 13, all the way through to the end of 17. And it is to encourage them, and to encourage them to continue in the faith, and to continue uh, to believe. And it's interesting that when you go through the gospel here, the word believe is a word that often comes up in one form and another, indeed, uh, something like 98 times it is mentioned in the gospel of John, in one way or now believing. We think of John as the the apostle of love. And that again is something else, the word love in one form or another, is also there over 40 times. And I think that itself gives us the idea and the picture of what this gospel is about. It's about believing, it's about love for the Lord, believing the Lord and loving the Lord, and of course, his love also uh, for his people. And here in this particular part, we are looking at the Lord Jesus is speaking about the love of the Father, and He is speaking about how uh, that love he is comparing the love of the Father for the Son, and brought before us also the Son for the disciples, and then he goes on to speak about the duty then. Of the disciples as disciples, the duty of the Christian as those who have been brought to be loved and do love. And for ourselves, that surely applies. And as we look back on the last week, those who sat at the Lord's table, especially, and also those who were on Lucas, maybe you should have been at the Lord's table. There is there also uh, for us a reminder of the love of Christ. And as we go on since then, it should not be a case of just remembering it then and then moving on with our lives as if that was different and separate from how we live the rest of our lives. We should never, friends, sit at the Lord's table, especially any more than we should sit on the gospel preaching and be unchanged, as it were, by it. There should be a transformation, a change, a growing even as believers, growing in faith, growing in love, growing in knowledge, growing in trust of the Lord as we go on. It has been said that here when he says at the end of verse 9, continue ye in my love. It is the idea of abiding, someone has said, under the sweet smiles of my love. But that's what Christ is here. Continue in my love, and continue under the 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 benefits and the blessings that come with my love for you. And maybe we are not as often as we should be taken up with the love of Christ. In some ways, it is a simple thing. Sometimes we can be taken up. Sometimes with other aspects, and uh, we can. get involved in, in great theology. But friends, I would contend that there's nothing greater, no theology theological thought greater than this, that Christ loved sinners. And that he loved you and I, surely, should ever be before us. Here then we see that this is what is brought before us here, taken up with the love of Christ. And we should show it in our lives, should show it for one another. Surely that's an aspect that is important and an aspect maybe that we fall down on very often, not showing that love for each other as the Lord's people. Don't know and say that we are never nearer Christ than when we find ourselves lost, in holy amazement at his unspeakable love. We are never nearer Christ, and we'll find ourselves lost in holy amazement at his unspeakable love. Friends is not a question for ourselves, not just at a communion time. When was the last time that you were, as it were, <clears throat> taken up totally with the love of Christ for you? when that consumed you, maybe you go back many years when you first came to know the Lord. Oh, how much then this wonderful, glorious love. Is it still with you? Do you still have that sense and desire for him that you once did? Well, friends, this morning to consider this love in three different ways and then uh, fourthly uh, response to it. This love that is spoken about here. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you, continue ye in my lap. First of all then, the nature and the extent of this love for for the Father and the Son, just in a word. Well, one thing we know about it is this. It is without beginning and it is without end. The father's love for the son and the son's love for the father. So there was never a time when he was not loved of his father. Thou lovest me before the foundation of the world, it says. Never a time. So we can never say there was a point when the father began to love the son because we read it even in the Old Testament. We have it Isaiah 42 that he was the one in whom my soul delighted. We have, of course many instances, but we have it in the New Testament, this is my beloved son. And this was from all eternity. And it was a perfect love. and it was a love that had no beginning and no end. But then, what about his love for us? Isn't it astonishing that we have this verse at all in Scripture? Isn't it amazing that he's making some sort of comparison, similarity, in a sense, between the Father's love for Himself and his love for us? That should be an amazing thing to us all. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Ask the Father, and that can be disordered even as, that is making the comparison. Even as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. And it's most glorious manifestation, of course, is seen as uh, was remembered and thought about last Sabbath, the communion, at giving of himself and the glorious manifestation of his love particularly seen to his people at Calvary. And having loved his own, he shows it in that he took our nature, but he also died our death, the death that you and I were due. Dying on that cursed cross. Friends, the extent of his love, and likewise, the extent, therefore, of his suffering for us, should ever be surely before us. It is a love, an astonishing love. It is a love, the depth of it, as we'll see in a moment, is beyond our comprehension. But it is there surely for us nevertheless. This love, there was never a time when Christ did not know his own. There was never a time, therefore, when he didn't love them and willing to show it in what he has done for them. When he took our nature and when he came and died our death, it was something that was not strange to him. It was something that was there, ever being there. And when you think of that for yourself today, isn't that what you, Christian, were remembering last Lord's Day? What he has done for me. Oh, how much he must have and how much he does love me. For the believer. Now, what about ourselves? When we come to trust, that's when we come to love Him. There is a point in our lives where our love begins, but He always loved us. And our love for Him, it's not that we began to love Him, that is true, but it was that he first loved us. Our love for him, if you like, is the effect, not the cause, of his love for us. That's how we have to remember. Remember what he said to Nathaniel, when there was under the fig tree, I saw thee. And so with all his people. There is a sense when that is true. He always knew his own. He always all his people are known seemingly to Christ. They were always loved uh, by him. And that, friends, is something surely not just at a communion time, but always that should take up our thoughts and our minds and how we live our lives knowing this. And if you are here today and you understand anything of this, how it should be, motivate how it should impel and how it should stir you up to do what? To love him more. To love him more. Surely the more you see of what he has done for you, the more your heart will burn within you with zeal, with passion, with love. Oh, where's the passion, friends, that you once had for Christ? Where's the passion that I once had for him. Why is it not with us every moment of every day? If we know and believe that he has loved me so much to the extent that he gave his life for me. Friends, is it not sad how lukewarm and fickle our love can be at times? There was a time, I am sure this is true of you here, you, Christian, who have been maybe, however long you've been following, really, you would never have believed at one time how lukewarm and even cold you can get at times regarding the things of God. It's not true. What a fearful thing that that would be true of us. But sadly, it is. sad how fickle our love can be, knowing what we know, knowing what we know. And when we come to trust in the Lord, truly knowing more of it, we will seek to know more of it. The more we know of what he has done for us, truly that our love, the extent of it should be growing rather than um, becoming, as it were, as little or nothing. And if we truly meditate at all on the nature and the extent of his love, that cannot be, if we're in the right place, that cannot be but that it will be the means of increasing our love for him. Remember who the apostle writes in the Ephesians that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye be rooted and grounded in love. To do what? May be able to comprehend with all the sense what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height. And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Does that mean, well, I can't understand it, so I'm not going to think about it? Not at all. But it means that you'll be, as it were, pushing in that depth forever and ever and ever and ever. You'll be dipping in that well of his love forever, and you'll never get to the end of it. And you'll never get to the depth of it, Holy, you understand that. How much has he loved you? How much has he loved you, Believe Well, we read again, Christ loved the church and did what? Gave himself for it. That's it, isn't it? And who are the church? That is you, believer, part of that church. Christ loved me, you could say, and gave himself on me. And friends, that's the the extent of his love. That he gave himself, willingly gave himself in a room instead. He didn't have to. He wasn't forced to. It was a willing giving of himself, motivated by love for his people, as it was motivated by, by, by obedience to his father. And we, friends, are to follow. It was a self denial in it, of course. And we are to follow that example. Of self-denial, we have to follow that example of sacrifice and following him, we are also uh, to be aware of our dealing with one another, how we love one another, how we how we we, we give sacrificially for one another. Oh how we need that friends. is not a need for that amongst ourselves? you as a congregation here to be willing to give of yourself, to show your love for those around you. It's easy for us to find faults. Where would you be today if Christ found, pointed out your faults and turned away from you and I because of certain things in our lives? Or the extent of whose love will surely be what will as it were should be now with us and it will certainly be what will take up every thought in glory. How much he loved me. How much he loved me. That he loved me, surely, will be the focus and the thought of glory. That he loved me and gave himself from me. That he has washed us from our sins in his own blood. This is the extent of his love. And When was the last time on your knees before God that you told Christ how much you loved him? When was the last time you expressed these words? Not just a thought, but say it. And say it not just coldly, because you know it should be the done thing, But arising from your heart, burning within you at the thought of how much and the extent of his love for you. Indeed, when was the last time you told one of his people, maybe someone you don't really get on that well with, but it's one of God's people. When was the last time you told them that you loved them as Christ has loved also. The extent of his love should be something that should pick up every thought that we have as we go on through this life. And then secondly, his love is also then, follows on from that, obviously, it is without measure and it is without end. And just as the father's love for the son and vice versa, cannot be measured. So really, from our point of view, Christ's love for his people. We may believe it, and we do believe it if we are believers, but how can we measure the depth of it? How can we measure the extent of it? How can we measure the breadth and the length and the depth and the height of it? We cannot. It is beyond us when we really Think about it, and particularly in the light of knowing something, and this is true of all God's people, when they come to know Christ, they've also come to know something of yourself and the sinful nature that is yours and mine. And what we have here is love for his people. It cannot be measured, but it can be deduced here from that text that there is a love for his people also, in a sense that cannot be measured. The love of God towards his co-equal son, I am the father of one, who is like him in every way, whoever pleased him is astonishingly here, used friends to illustrate the love the Lord has, Jesus has, for his people. And this is true of it, as it is of God's love, father for son and son for father, this here now, it has no end. It has no end. In one sense, it has no beginning and no end. Look at Christ himself then. Does his father love him less more than one time at another time? Of course not. And it's the same for the Christian. Amazingly so, astonishingly so, but that is what the Bible teaches us. Can you take that in? It's hard at times, isn't it, to take it in, despite all that you are and all that you are not? Still doesn't change his love toward you. It will never bring it to an end. Even what you are, Christian, with all your failings as a Christian, once he sets his love on you, it is a love that continues without end, and yes, without measure. Oh, there are days, I'm sure, that you and I may feel, usually because of some particular sin that we know is in our lives, we might not like to admit it, but it's there. Some time of particular sin in our experience, and you think, what? I am so ashamed. He must love me less than he did when I first began to believe. You know what that is like at times? To be in that sense of, if not despair, certainly cast down because of your own sinfulness. And you've come to know something of the corruption of your own heart. Well, not only does he not, but he cannot love you any less. He cannot love you any less. His love does not fluctuate. Oh, does fluctuate. His love does not fluctuate in any way whatsoever. So, well, you say, well, with well, that knowledge, then, have you not caring if I sin or not? Of course not. See, that's the spirit of the antinomian. So the idea, I can sin with impunity because, because grace abounds above the law. Or oh, not at all. That should never surely is never the, the way that we think, even when we come to know something of our own sinnership. I wonder if there's anything more painful to yourself, friend, today than the times of unawareness, I have sinned. An awareness of a particular sin in your life, grieving the Spirit of God and making, as it were, despite of the Spirit of grace, at least in the sense of your Savior's sacrifice, obviously not before you, and the extent of his love not before you as it ought to be. You know what that is like at times. All oh, the pain of that kind of sin in our lives. How could I have thought that? How could I have done that? How could I possibly have said that? Indeed, friend, but incredibly He still loves you. He still loves you. He hasn't cast you off. He cannot cast you off. Or he may chasten you. And it may be a painful experience that you'll have to go through. And you may come to hate that sin, particularly afresh. But he will not and he cannot change his mind or his intention towards you. Because he has set his love upon you. He has died your death. And having died your death, he cannot, as it were, undie. He has done it for you. Oh, my friend, do we realize the wonder of this love toward us? What a savior we have. What a savior you have today. Who loves you despite all that you are who loves you despite the sin that is so often in you, the struggle you have, the flesh and the spirit, seems to be an ongoing warfare at times. He still loves you. He hasn't changed in that way. An old writer put it this way in regard to our relationship to our dealing with our sin and our walk with the Lord Jesus. He said, it is nothing less than the love of Christ for us that enables us to repent and kill afresh the love of sin. You see, when we're troubled by our sinfulness, what is it that troubles us? Well, the sin troubles us, but is it not the result of it? Because it comes between you and Christ. And it comes between you and as it were, the love of Christ. That's where the pain comes in. And that's where repentance surely also will come in. Repent, catechism, remember, speaks, or shorter catechism speaks about repentance is a saving grace. And every grace, friends, is a gift of God. And if there is repentance, true repentance, it is only because of the saving grace of God. It is only because of Christ's intercession, if you like, for you, continual intercession. Well, it's not, first of all, to do with our love for him. That is only there because he first loved us. That's what it all is, dear friends. Now, having said all that, beware of ever being satisfied with the idea of having attained to, to to an acceptable level of love. You think, well, I've loved and that's I've reached a stent of love when I cannot love it more. Oh my friend, you could not be further from the truth. Remember what we read in Philippians, in the apostle Philippians, not that I had already attained, either well already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself, says the apostle, to apprehend, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's about pressing on. It's about not giving up. It's about seeking to grow in grace and in knowledge of the Lord. Remember, friend, it is his love that is without measure, not ours. Not ours. We'll never reach to the point, I can't love him anymore. Yes, you can. He cannot love you anymore because he has given us all and done all for you. But oh, you can love him more. Strive for it, friend. Strive for it. Well, then. Nature in effect and without measure and end. It is also then, as we touched on this a bit before, thirdly, it is unchangeable. The father's love for the son and the son for the father is obviously unchangeable. And the father never loved his son more or less at any time. And the son didn't love the father more or less at any time. Sadly, that's not how it is with the house. Sadly not. Not even sadly between ourselves as believers. Never mind between us and the Lord. Some may consider and do consider Christ's suffering on the cross and the, the cry of dereliction as showing Father's anger towards the Son as a sin bearer that he wasn't loving him at that time that the Father had to, as it were, withdraw his love uh, because of him being our substitute and being made sin for us. But our friends, if there ever was a time it could be said, and I don't believe it, there is, but if there ever was a time it could be said, the Father loved him more, it must have been at that point what his delighted to do as well, and that may give himself to death. It cannot be, but we must never think that he loved him Less than because he became our sin bearer. Oh, he loved him. And Christ loved him, his father, just as much then. Because he was never other to the father. He was never other than the beloved son. So we cannot say the father loved him more or less at any one time than at another. You see, the love in the Godhead is unchangeable. And so the son is always, as I said, the beloved son. And the son always loved to do his father's will, And his father was always well pleased with him. And he continues to be so always and forever, unchangeably so. And God the father was pleased with him taking our nature. Pleased with him taking the penalty and curse of the law in the Roman stead of his people. He was pleased, well pleased with him for his righteousness, his sacrifice, his work of atonement, everything to do with him. That didn't change in anything that he had to do. So again, what must then be true of you in Christ today? You who are united to Christ, God the Father seeing you, united to his beloved Son, astonishingly, it is not only that as he is pleased with his son, he must also be with his people. He must also be with you and I. As we are considered in him, of course. He cannot not love those who are united to his son. I know that sometimes, all oh, can that be true? Yes, it's true. Do you feel it? No, you don't at times. But the world makes clear that that is so. And for that, my dear friend, today, should you not seek to love him more? It shouldn't be an effort, should it? It should come, as it were, naturally to us to love him more and more. In whom he loves his own, in whom he delights in them, in whom he sees them clothed, in his righteousness always. And so you, Christian, here today, united to the Son of his love, the Father cannot but unchangeably love all for whom he has died. You mustn't forget as well, they are those who the Father gave him in the first place. That's what you are today. But dear friend, I know you and I may feel at times that he cannot possibly love me in certain situations. You know, that is like symptoms. It's so ashamed. It's so horrible, some of the thoughts, some of our actions, some of our words. Oh, he can't love me. Surely not. How can you continue to love me with my life seemingly sin upon sin upon sin? Well, my friend, encourage yourself in this great truth today, being confident of this very thing, that he which began a work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus comes. That's one of the encouragements that we can have not that it causes us to continue in sin, it causes us to hate our sin, even when we fall into it and repent of it. It's an unchangeable love, and how we thank God for that today. All of His love was dependent upon, and that's sadly, sadly, and I'm not saying at all that they're not some Christian, the Arminian idea that God can love you today and not love you tomorrow, and you have to work your way back and all the rest of it. He loves his own with an unchangeable love. A truth, my dear friends, that should humble us and have our hearts burning within us with more love and selflessness for the Savior. And fourthly, then our response briefly we cannot obey the Lord. Without loving him. And we cannot love the Lord without obedience. Say that again. We cannot obey the Lord without loving him. And we cannot love the Lord without obedience. Is there something like that in verse 10? If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. And as I have kept my father's command, abide in his love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide. In my love. And any love and obedience you have today, it is, of course, because the Lord has first loved us. We must never lose sight of that. And He has loved us with an unchangeable and immeasurable love. Indeed, it's the duty of everybody in the world, whoever you are here today, it is your duty to love the Lord. But we also have to say at the same time, only those. Who love the Lord truly are only those who have already been loved by Christ with a saving love. And it's only then that we can love and then we can obey him. Here we have what is if you keep my commandments. That is the importance of living according to his word. And you see, we we cannot live according to the word and the word. Scripture tells us himself or himself, we cannot serve two masters. Either we're ruled by the world or we're ruled by Christ. And that is why some of you here Saturday today are not Christians. Because you're still ruled by the world. You still have a love for the world above the love. Any kind of love you have of Christ. Dear friend, that's what you need. Love for Christ above everything else. And once you come to trust in Christ and see even in the smallest measure how much he's loved you, you cannot then but serve and worship him. If you have even, as it were, a pinprick of light on what Christ has done for you, you cannot but love him. You cannot but love. And you cannot but seek to serve him. And if you don't, you have never understood what it costs to redeem souls. If you don't love, you may understand much. You may even go as far as to say you believe certain things and most things in the Bible, but not all of it. But without this love, that's what brings about a response to him. You see, you have to say to I ask you today, can you honestly say here in your heart, I ask you, is he to you today the chiefest among the 10,000? Well, my friend, he should be, if you know anything of this saving love. He should not be second best in anything. He should not be someone that you love next to your family, your your, your wife or your children or your parents or whoever. He has to be number one in your life. That should be our response. And it will be your response if you have come to love him. It cannot be otherwise. And we should seek to grow in love for him. How can I do this? How can I grow in love? Well, surely, friends, first of all, the word itself must be at the center of it. What Scripture says, knowing his word, meditating on this word, meditating on his suffering, the personal aspect of it for yourself particularly. Not just as you read the Bible. Yes, it's interesting. I see what it says. How does it apply to me? Is it a personal word to me? Is it the love of God to me that I see in these things? And the more you know these things, the more you will love them and the more will the extent of his love be. You see, without ever getting to take in the full depth and and, and length and height and so on, as we said, you should still be able to see enough to say, ah, he loved me. He loved me. And he gave himself for me. And having given himself for me, this now is how I have to live my life. You think of these wonderful words at the end of Romans 8. You've come to the place now, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present to come, come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. You can say, My Lord. That's what. Is one. Does that stir your heart when you read it? To love Him and to be thankful? That's how we are, our response. Well, word in conclusion then. Friends, beware of being like those Jesus warned of elsewhere, whose love walks cold. Oh, beware of it. I tell you, there's not a Christian here who hasn't known something of that experience. Sadly, that's the reality. That our love can wax cold. Oh, beware of it. Beware of any declension in your love for Christ. Friends, leaving, as it were, our first love is an offense to God. It is a sin against God in any way, whatever you want to think about that. Or oh, you say sometimes, don't we all say it? Oh, that that the love I had when I first believed, that I still have. It. Well, yes, indeed. But while you may not today go so much on feelings as you did then, you should be seeking prayerfully every day to deepen in your love for Christ, your Savior. We say, well, at the beginning people would say, and yeah, it's true. There were so much feelings in it. My friend, there's nothing wrong with feelings. Oh, that you had these feelings. It doesn't stop just in the feelings, but we should have more of it. It would change everything. That love should be strengthened more and more as we go on trusting in the Lord. And if we go on more and more, show also in our love for the Savior, will show in our love for each other and are reaching out to other Christians around us. After all, dear friend, your brother and sister are those who are your brothers and sisters. Why? How? Because Christ loved them and gave himself for them. And we have no authority to do anything other than to love them as we love Christ. But they are, as it were, part of him, united to him. But above all else, if we love him, we will also love the brother. He died for them. He died for you. Love them, friend. But begin loving your Savior. And if you love your Savior, you will love his people. And they also say this. You will also love have a love towards those without God and without hope. Your love will reach out to them. Oh, that you had what I ever had. Not that I earned it. Not that I was worthy of it. But come, tell tell what he did for my soul. Dear friend, Christian friend here today, is there enough of that amongst us? We say, oh, we're not seeing conversions and things are so dark and there's so few coming. When was the last time you or I persuaded? Oh, it's easy enough for me standing here. But in a personal level. Last time you spoke to someone, you you you, you encourage them to seek the Lord and to call upon Him. Friends, here is everything: the love of Christ. If the Father loved, loved me, so have I loved you. Amen. Let us pray. Oh, blessed Lord. What shall we render to thee for all thy gifts to us? We thank thee for thine astonishing, amazing love, the love of the father in sending the son, the love of the son and the willingness, willing obedience to do the father's will and his love and giving himself for us, dying our death, rising again for our justification. Lord, help us to love more today than ever before and to seek after that communion and fellowship that will ultimately result in more love for our blessed Savior. In his name we ask it. Amen.